I hadn't really talked to anyone besides my partner about our infertility. And so I saw that reproductive endocrinologist um, did all the diagnostic workup, um, figured out that there was something wrong and I was scheduled to have surgery um, to correct this. Um, and that weekend before I was at a family reunion and a cousin just asked me, Hey, how are you doing? And I decided, you know what, I'm tired of, you know, not talking about this. And I just told her, I'm not doing that well. I have surgery scheduled for this week. And I told her what was going on. And it turned out that she was actually going to have surgery the same week for something similar, fertility related, something, um, yeah, very similar. And so we just started talking about that. And then she also knew that there were other people in our family who had gone through infertility, had miscarriages. And so I started talking to them that weekend as well. And I had no idea that so many people in my family also could understand what was going on, had words of support and care. Um, so after my family building was complete, after I had more perspective about what happened, um, I decided to focus more on my practice on people going through infertility um, and to get more training and education about working with the psychological aspects of infertility. everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Elaine Ji Wong. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice in Los Altos, California. She specializes in infertility and has completed the mental health professional certification from the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, as well as a year-long postgraduate course on counseling for fertility. She is also tra a trained accelerated resolution therapy clinician and uses this to help people resolve trauma, including reproductive trauma. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Robin. Hi, thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so I'm super excited to have you. I have a lot of questions. Um, so let's dive in, especially let's start with the infertility. Um, I feel like this is such an important topic and not something that gets brought up a lot. First, for the listeners, would you be open to sharing um, your own, you know, general story and kind of like why, like, you know, you focus on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So years ago, um, when I was in the process of expanding my own family, um, you know, wasn't having success, reached out to my OBGYN. She referred me to a reproductive endocrinologist. And I remember just sitting in the waiting room at the fertility clinic, I'm waiting for my appointment. There were other couples, um, other people by themselves in the waiting room. And I was just watching them, watching people come in and out of the office door. And I just remember thinking, you know, why are they here? Did they get good news, bad news? And I don't know if I was just also projecting my own sense of um, just powerlessness, sadness, fear about, you know, my appointment and my future, um, but it was the most emotionally fraught waiting room that I've sat in. Um, and it's, it was probably some of both of that that I was picking up on. But I just remember thinking like, whoa, there are a lot of people in this waiting room and we're all going through something similar. Um, I had no idea. Um, so that was one piece. Another piece is that I hadn't really talked to anyone besides my partner about our infertility. And 
So I saw that reproductive endocrinologist um, did all the diagnostic workup, um, figured out that there was something wrong and I was scheduled to have surgery um, to correct this. Um, and that weekend before I was at a family reunion and a cousin just asked me, hey, how are you doing? And I decided, you know what, I'm tired of you know, not talking about this. And I just told her, I'm not doing that well. I have surgery scheduled for this week. And I told her what was going on. And it turned out that she was actually going to have surgery the same week for something similar, fertility related, something, um, yeah, very similar. And so we just started talking about that. And then she also knew that there were other people in our family who had gone through infertility, had miscarriages. And so I started talking to them that weekend as well. And I had no idea that so many people in my family also could understand what was going on, had words of support and care. Um, so after my family building was complete, after I had more perspective about what happened, um, I decided to focus more on my practice on people going through infertility um, and to get more training and education about working with the psychological aspects of infertility. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's amazing too that that other person was able to, you know, open up and talk about something that really isn't talked about that often, but is not uncommon, as you saw, you know, when you were in the waiting room, and then it sounds like that influenced um, your niche, you know, in, in your practice, which is definitely an important like presenting concern that I would, you know, picture a lot of you know, families and parents like wanting, you know, to come in for, and, you know, as, as therapists, we know, like there are different, multiple different types of struggles and also like traumas, right? People think traumas as certain events, right? Specific like death and all that. Um, what, what is it about infertility that makes infertility a trauma? So a trauma is an event or a series event, series of events that that goes beyond our usual ability to function. And so we usually think of trauma as like, you know, a car accident or like a natural disaster. Um, but what makes infertility a trauma is that, well, backing up a bit, is that when we're younger, we assume that we're going to have a family, that it's going to be easy. We're going to have X number of kids. And this is called the reproductive story. This is a term that was coined by Janet Joffe that we all have this reproductive story. Um, and it starts when we're younger, when we're playing house, you know, and then as we get older, we think, okay, yeah, I think getting married by 28, having our first kid by 30, we're going to have three of them. We're, I want two girls, one boy. I like these names. We're already building that um, in our mind. And so when we try to have a family and it's not working or we experience loss. Um, we had this expectation that this is how it's going to go and it's not going that way. Um, that is a trauma because we are, it overwhelms everything that we thought was true about us as a person, as a reproductive being, and also about our future and our life and like what it's going to be like. So it brings into question this whole like arc of our life. Like, Hey, I thought it was going to go this way. And is that going to happen? Am I going to be a parent? Am I going to have a kid? Um, what is my future going to be like? Mm -hmm. So to have that um, in question, and then also to feel this powerlessness 
and that you're not in control of your body. Um, and then to see other people having kids, having another kid and feeling behind, um, it really does bring into question just like, who am I? Does my body work? What's my future going to be like? Am I going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely something that is not expected, right? <laughs> and then the whole process of it. And I would, you know, think too, even um, the infertility process, like just medical, the medical part of it, um, how that may also, could also be traumatic. Mm -hmm. Because when we even go through like the diagnostic part of an infertility make workup of, you know, what's going on here, there's just so much prodding um, and tests and things that, especially if we have unresolved trauma from before around um, touching and that kind of abuse and that hasn't been worked through or processed, um, the tests and the exams can really bring up other losses, other traumas. Um, it can be a very overwhelming process. Yeah, and also even um, I would wonder, you know, going through this process and then that hope, right? You know, and then sitting with that and if things happen or not, you know, like that just sounds so stressful. Mm hmm. And it's also something that because we have these monthly cycles, that it's this continuous process of, you know, at the beginning of the cycle, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the cycle. This is it. I have a good feeling about it. And then leading up to ovulation or whatever um, procedures you're having, um, you know, very much. There's so much hope. And then there's that two week wait of waiting to see if you're pregnant and you can just go between, you know, so much optimism and also just like, oh my gosh, I have a bad feeling about this. And then um, a pregnancy test with, or you get your period and then it's okay. You go through that and restart all over again. And that back to back, back to back accumulates all of those losses. And then you put in like bad news about a cycle or bad news about a test and it just compounds mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. So thing too, that your, um, your niche, right. And your, in your practices is this, how is it, you know, at least for the listeners, like um, if you could describe how health therapy could be helpful for this and during this process? Since infertility is this trauma that's ongoing while we're in it, it helps to talk about what's going on as you're going through it and identifying what's going on um, for you, for your partner, where your thoughts are going, your anxiety level, just to identify all of the feelings that you're having and so that we can say like, oh yeah, it makes sense that you're feeling that way because this and this and this, and to give yourself permission to feel those feelings. I think when we try to just work through it ourselves or keep it to ourselves because we don't want to talk about it or we don't think anyone will understand, 
Um, then we're just alone with all of that. And it's so much to carry by yourself. Um, so yes, I highly recommend therapy for anyone who's going through infertility, especially with um, a therapist who is trained in fertility issues, because one, I know about, you know, all these options that you're being faced with. You don't need to spend the time to explain to me, you know, like what's IUI, what's IVF. We can just talk about, you know, how you're feeling about them. We can um, weigh those choices together. And also you don't have to take care of me in any way, emotionally. You can just let it all out. Let me know how you're doing, how you're feeling. And I'm trained to go closer to your pain and to hold your pain. Um, and I'm not going to say anything that, you know, maybe well-intentioned friends, but maybe not as informed friends might say, you know, just like, oh, just relax. Oh, you guys should go, just go on a vacation. It'll happen. You know, I'm not going to say any of those things. I'm going to um, be with you where you're at and, you know, walk with you as you go through probably one of the most challenging seasons of your life. And so I just think like, why not give yourself that one hour a week as you're going through this to really talk about everything that's going on for you and mm. to be cared and supported yeah. in that. Yeah. So different than personal support, right? As therapists, what we provide is, you know, is so different. Question is when, um, you know, when someone's experiencing infertility and like, you know, talking about it, even like with those that are like, that they know personally, is there that kind of, you know, being cautious of what they're saying, how they're saying it or what they're sharing um, because they're speaking to somebody they know personally. I know like, like, even when I think of like, like grief, there's that whole, like the person almost monitoring what they're saying for, because of what the potential reaction may be from others. Is that similar with maybe someone who's experiencing infertility? Mm -hmm. I think you have to be very careful about who you choose mm. to share um, what's mm. going on because there are some people who, you know, haven't had any difficulty, you know, lucky for them to expand their family and they don't really understand all of the things that you're thinking about, about your body, about what should be going on, what's not going on, all these tests, all these treatments. Um, but if you can find someone who, who has some experience of wanting to have a baby and it's not happening and, or experiencing loss, um, they might be more sensitive and more understanding to what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being where you and I were both API, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we know sometimes there's the hesitancy or uncertainty or insureness, you know, when it comes to, you know, therapy. Um, what does it look like, you know, for maybe API, you know, in therapy or the process of getting there um, when they're struggling with infertility? Yeah, because we're, okay, and this is like in very general terms, uh -huh. we're given the message that 
um, you know, if anything's going on, you know, suck that up, figure it out yourself. Um, don't bother other people with this. And we're also not um, validated in our feelings or encouraged to express what's going on in our inner world. And so to go to someone and to share all of this, that's a big step. That's a big step for anyone. I think it's especially a big step for people who have grown up in a family of origin that doesn't encourage um, taking care of your inner life and valuing that. So in terms of therapy and also just reaching out for help for infertility, I think Asian Americans, it's a big challenge because um, Asian Americans experience infertility just like you know anyone else. Um, and there are studies that say that Asian Americans actually wait a lot longer, um, about two years or more to reach out for help um, to get that first fertility consultation. And that's two years of trying to do something, you know, um, and it's not working and feeling like, is there something wrong with me? Maybe experiencing shame, um, keeping that all in and just being isolated with it. So yeah, I encourage anyone listening who, you know, has been trying and hasn't had any success to reach out to their OBGYN um, to get a referral to someone who can help them figure out what's going on because that's so not ingrained in us to be like, oh, I think I need help. And mm. yes, there's help out there um, and that I can access those resources. Yeah. And that it's okay too, right? They're, mm. they're there and, but it sounds like there's just some multiple factors, right? And some may be like, you know, unique to the individual, but um, it's hard. That's like, that's definitely something challenging to face, but at the same time, since there are services like medical and mental health, you know, to help through that process, then it's just um, probably about taking that step and maybe doing something different. I think that's something that some of us do is um, AAPI is maybe doing things a little, a little differently, you know, there's no right or wrong, but um, if there's something that may be helpful, um, then why not? Mm -hmm. Especially around um, fertility because time is so important. Age is such a critical factor in fertility that waiting even a year, two years, you know, um, that's, it's waiting too long. So it's hard to say to make that phone call, to reach out. Um, but it's really a way to take care of yourself. It's really acknowledging, yes, I really want a family. I really want kids. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm going to ask someone to help me because there are people out there who can help me understand and figure out what's going on. And there are treatments too. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to do this all by myself. I don't yeah. have to suffer by myself. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably one of the challenging pieces that kind of just 
being in silence or being alone with it between probably, you know, that person and then the, the partner, you know, like that's a, sounds very like isolating, you know. Mm-hmm. And isolation makes everything worse. Mm-hmm. Kind of exacerbates that aloneness feeling, not alone, lo- you know, but feeling alone, mm-hmm. right, in it, or that they're the only ones, you know, when yeah. there are so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're not alone because there are so many people going through this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like one in eight mm. couples are experiencing infertility. So oh. one, you're not alone. Two, there's help. Mm-hmm. And it's also true that it's hard to reach out for help. Mm-hmm. And you can also support yourself in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there um, anything I didn't ask or bring up when it comes to infertility or API infertility that you'd like the listeners to know about? Um, one thing is that I want people to know that you're more than your ability or inability to have a baby. Um, the infertility process can be so overwhelming, so consuming for people and for couples that they're just so focused on this, that they can lose sight of who they are as a couple, who they are as a person. And so it's really important to keep doing the things that make you feel like a person because you have so many interests, hobbies, accomplishments, um, and to keep doing those things that make you feel like, yeah, who you are. Yeah. It's really easy to lose yourself Mm. in this process. Yeah. Okay. So we have a little bit of time like five minutes or so. Um, I have a question about ART. Maybe we could talk talk about like briefly. Mm -hmm. Um, Accelerated resolution therapy. Um, And I know in the bio, you know, I I, um, had stated that this is one um, modality that your treatment that you use to help with more reproductive trauma. Could you explain to the listeners briefly, what is accelerated resolution therapy? Accelerated resolution therapy is a cousin of EMDR and it uses rapid eye movements to help someone process trauma. And so I use this in my practice to treat just general trauma, but also reproductive trauma. So like miscarriage, um, complicated birth, um, IVF treatments that trigger past sexual abuse that hasn't been processed yet. Um, even processing just that, that experience of getting your period every month. That's also something that we can process. Um, so what ART does is, um, it uses the eye movements to help us retrieve a memory and it gives us some time to work with it so that we can, um, adequately process it and then also attach something new to it. So that when you think about this again, when you think about this memory again, you're still going to have all of the same details. You're not going to forget any of the details, but because we've worked with it and attached something new to it, you're not going to have that same like fight or flight kind of reaction in your body or with your anxiety um, or your, your fear. And so that is something that I found helpful because I think talk therapy is super helpful, but after we talk about it and gain some insight, compassion, understanding around it, sometimes there's just something a little bit left over. And I found that ART 
um, really helps kind of unlock that piece and let us work with it and really resolve that. So that's something I offer to people if they're interested. If not, that's fine. Okay. And for the listeners, the rapid eye movement. Um, so I know with an EMDR, it's the back and forth, right? There's sometimes they're using their fingers, their hands, or there's like a light bar. And essentially like your, your head is still looking forward, but your eyes are going back and forth, left to right. So is it the same? Is that the same method of the rapid eye movement for ART? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have a light bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that helps you move your eyes. And then what that does is um, suppresses that fear response in your brain so that we can work with this memory. Yeah. How many rounds of rapid eye movement are there in the ART session then? Oh, so that varies. Um, So there's a script that we go through and we do sets of about 40 seconds each. And then we talk about things and then I'll tell you what else. I want you to think about and we'll alternate that. Yeah. Rapid eye movement is so interesting. Um, I know it's, um, like you said, helpful for going a little deeper. I've heard some where when there's certain like traumatic events, like talk therapy is helpful, but there kind of is like this plateau or there's like trouble accessing maybe certain parts. Um, and so that's where like the rapid eye movement can help to like go, um, go deeper and process it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually hadn't heard about this until a colleague of mine offered me a session and I processed something that I had talked about in therapy for a long time, Mm -hmm. something that happened to me when I was younger. And it wasn't until I did this ART session that I was like, okay, yeah, I think that really moved something and really did change. Um, something about how I think about it and how I remember it. Yeah. So then I was like, I need to get trained in this so I can offer it to you. That's neat. So you, yeah, you had experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to like, say, um, challenges surrounding like infertility, um, this is probably like a, I probably know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I feel like the listeners are going to want to know for ART and treating infertility, what's like the length of time that they would expect to be doing it? With ART, we can usually process a single incident trauma. So like a um, miscarriage, stillbirth, um, a complicated birth experience. We can usually process that in one session of ART. If there is sexual trauma or abuse involved, that might take more like five to eight sessions. That's not something that we can work out in one session. So that will take longer. But for single incident traumas, usually one session is enough. That's amazing. That's different than EMDR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see where that accelerated. (laughs) That's where that comes from. (laughs) (laughs) That's where that is. Got it. Okay. Well, um, before we end, this was super helpful. Thank you so much for, for talking about this. Um, if the listeners want to find out more about you, is there anywhere they could go, like website or like social media handles? Mm-hmm. My website is talkingaboutfertility.com and I'm on Instagram at talkingaboutfertility. Cool. I will 
put the direct links in the show notes. That way, if the listeners want to find out more about you, they can just go ahead and click on it. And you're in the state of California. So reminder for the listeners, you can see a therapist who is licensed in the state of California. You can live anywhere in California. And you also need to be signed on to the video session well, while in, Cal- in the state of California at that time. That's all the all those, you know, different regulations that we have. So um, a lot of us are still doing video therapy. It's still a thing. Um, so you can essentially be anywhere in, in the state to receive services from Elaine, if you would like. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank for you for inviting this. me. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at openmindnightpod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.